So I think putting yourself out there and if something comes up, just saying, can I be involved? Because I think not only it will help you develop your like career, but also soft skills or just getting to know other people, understanding what impact you have on different teams. Welcome to the Payroll Podcast with your host, Nick Day. Find out what it takes to truly discover what it takes to elevate your career within payroll as we meet with the industry leaders who are shaping the industry for tomorrow. Hello and welcome back to the Payroll Podcast. My name is Nick Day, CEO at JGA Recruitment Group, Specialist Payroll Recruiters. And today I'm super excited to welcome Global Head of Total Reward at Stella McCartney, Domi Sismanka, to the Payroll Podcast. And we're going to talk all about responsible reward. Now, before we get there, of course, if you do enjoy the show, please do remember to subscribe to it. Please share it with all of your payroll friends. The more people we can get listening to this show, the quicker and easier it is for everyone to really raise the profile of payroll globally. So please do remember to subscribe. It takes a couple of seconds and review it if you can. Now, going back to the guest today, we have Domi, who is a member of the Reward 300. She possesses a comprehensive payroll career spanning across a number of global industries. Now, they've given her exposure to not just payroll management, but also HR systems, payroll reward analytics, benchmarking, total reward, executive compensation, people management, report writing, and more. So there's loads to get into today. But I think there's a general acceptance now that payroll is it's really evolving. And with payroll professionals being expected to wear so many hats as the boundaries of the traditional role of payroll continues to blur into HR, reward systems, and analytics – I think Domi is the perfect guest to have on the show to talk about how we can really start to get to grips with the kind of demands that Payroll is asking and putting upon us in the future of work. Now, we're going to find out more about how Payroll is really influencing responsible reward strategies, how a modern approach to data can also influence payroll and process improvement. So without further ado, welcome Domi to the Payroll Pod. How are you feeling today? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. I'm excited to have you on the show. I'm going to start with the first question I always ask all of my guests, which is this. What does the word payroll mean to you? What it doesn't mean to me is pressing the red button and being invisible <laughs> in the business. Just, you know, like um, company responsibility for, for people's well-being within the company. That's cool. Let's start there then. Let's start, start by just giving everyone a little bit of a backdrop to your experience today, Domi. Tell us a little bit about your career and most importantly, about your current role and where you are right now as we, as we interview today on today's show. So I'm sure like 99% of, of people who do payroll, I fell into it. I did journalism at uni, so something completely, completely different. And yeah, I basically started um, doing some temporary work, doing payroll administration and kind of built onto my career from there. I started as a payroll administrator and then kind of moved from just doing payroll to doing payroll um, as in just for UK to doing payroll for Europe and then progressing onto manager level, expanding into global and then not only looking after payroll but getting into benefits and rewards and now I'm in total reward which is kind of everything payroll related, benefits, compensation. Great, fantastic. A lot of people listening to this are going to wonder how they get into that profession. How do we go from payroll into award? It's kind of the next step up that career ladder, if you like, for some, and it broadens out the payroll skills. Before we jump into that, though, let's talk a little bit about the subject of today's show, which is responsible rewards. When we think about responsible reward, what is that and how can we define it? 
So I think firstly, just to separate responsible rewards from responsible pay, because I feel like in the world of payroll, responsible pay is kind of like number one. Um, But I feel like responsible pay just only looks at the, you know, social factor in the ESG, which for those that don't know, environmental, social and um, governance. And so I feel like total reward is just like all those three pillars. To me, it means that as an employer, you have some responsibility for your employees and how you set your reward strategy, um, that you consider the wider impact of your community or organization, um, how you do your business, how you kind of align your reward package to company vision, I guess. That's in short. I could talk about it for, for well, hours. We're definitely going to. So that's all good. Maybe not hours. But we'll have. We'll, we'll certainly go into the subject a bit more in a bit more detail. I mean, certainly at the minute, it seems like it's really relevant, right? We've got higher costs of living, inflation at mm. the minute. It's an interesting time, shall we say? We've got the Great Awakening or the Great Resignation, whatever you want to call it, going around as well. So how have no? You- we need to call it the Great reshaping reshaping like something positive <laughs> well, I think awakening is kind of there reshaping works for me as well absolutely yeah. so how have you kind of been able to bridge that gap then going from payroll management into reward and responsible total reward now how have these additional responsibilities I guess been adopted into your day-to-day role I don't want to talk about COVID or the pandemic but it matters because during the pandemic you know that's how we got to talk about payroll and you know like we got some recognition for all the payroll managers out there and um, but I think you know that was that was like the first point of processing payroll during that tough time but now what we're looking at is not just the responsible pay and paying people and you know the accuracy it's just all the other things that especially in the current market and the you know the competition within like business to business and just the, I guess, like looking at basic salary, what else is the business offering outside of that? And um, I feel like also we've got a little push from like the younger generations that are coming into the businesses and what they're looking for. And yes, okay, basic salary is super important, but what is the full reward proposition? Yeah. So I think coming out of the pandemic for me personally, but also like the business, it's just what else are you offering? And honestly, there are just so many things like there is um, the benefit, you know, in terms of like your private medical, but also like things like what culture are you offering as a company? And you just I guess you just have to look at the current market and be very competitive and find out what other companies are doing and as a business, what you want to achieve. No, I think that makes sense. You, you called it the uh, the great reshaping. Essentially, it means that you've got employees right now, and certainly the world of recruitment, we're seeing this every day, right? Employees are choosing where they work. It used to be you'd go to an interview, the interviewer would kind of give you loads of hard questions to answer. It was never about the interviewee interviewing the interviewer. You know, why should I work for your company? What do you offer me? Those questions were never even thought about sort of even five years ago. And now it's completely shifted and employees have a lot more choice and they want to work with a company that have values that are aligned, offer, as you say, you know, a holistic approach to to benefits and well-being, all those kind of things. With that in mind, in your experience, you've done this for a long time as well. Where what kind of benefits are you seeing now then, or kind of remuneration packages, whatever you want to call it, total reward packages, that but that you didn't see five years ago? What are the new things that have come to the market that are really engaging with with the current workforce? So I think there was there's quite a few changes. Like obviously you have to look at how much you can do as a business. You know, I could tell you that you need to bring ABC into your kind of proposition. Um, it depends, you know, as a business, how how big is the organization, like what you can what you can afford as well. But there are tons and tons of things that you can do for free that people appreciate. 
I think for me, it's also important as a business, you look at like the multi-generation within, like, I think at the moment we have five generations in each business. So, you know, how do you approach each of those? What I'm seeing a lot of is obviously like the mental health and well-being is like two massive buzzwords. So I think with mental health, it's it's not only what you offer, but how you offer it. So, you know, um, EAP is one of like the examples where I think it's it's one of like the benefits that is not missold, but people straight away think, oh, ESG is just all about mental health. And um, as a business, we need to think about how we are telling our people about what we are offering. It's not just the private medical, like obviously everyone would appreciate the private medical, but it's thinking outside the box, you know, what can you do private medical, but that's only in in terms of, okay, someone breaks their leg. And as an employer, we have to make sure that we look after that person. But when you think also about the mental health, what measures do you have in place as a business to make sure that mental health is great within your community? And how do you define mental health? as well like there are so many like holistic things that you can do so I think three things that are definitely upcoming is pensions and how ethical pensions can be and what you can do as a business and how you approach the different generations because to younger generations is boring but I feel like it's changing a bit people do want to save and people are very focused on buying a house and making sure that they can retire as early as possible right I constantly get questions from quite you know like young people saying okay so how how much do I have to save so I can have a great life when I'm 50 and it's, it's you know it's it's tough another thing is are the benefits that you are choosing as a company like to my business it's super important that the values of that provider are similar to what we're doing so is it sustainable? Are they going to understand us as a business? Are they going to be on brand? How like is the communication? Taking that a little further, then. So in recruitment, we'll often create something we call an EVP, like an employee value proposition. So when we're mm-hmm. working with clients, yeah. we want to sell that brand over another brand. We'll try and make it sound, you know, and 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 appeal to what people are looking for by all the different things companies pull in. And that can be really, really helpful for us if a candidate is not sure which decision to make. One with a better EVP is more likely to win that, that overall vote, right? But years ago, it used to be just about salary. You know, particularly in payroll recruitment, people go, because you're working with payroll every day, what's the salary? Is it more than one at the minute? Okay, I'll move over. Okay, I won't. That's definitely changed a lot. What I'd be interested to know now, because I'm seeing it from your side of the fence rather than mine as a recruiter, right, is if salary used to be 100% of the reason people move, and of course it's not, there's leadership and other reasons as well, but let's say it was 100% as a, as a as a way of moving forward. Mm-hmm. Now, how much do you think benefits play a part or the total reward package play a part in that calculation for people coming into business from an attraction point of view? Is it now, you know, actually it's 50% about the salary, but the other 50% is actually about total reward now and the other things they get. So that's the first question in terms of attraction. But also, does that um, ratio change when you're already in a business? So for retaining employees, the salary become less important and actually benefits then heighten in terms of their importance or does that ratio still stay the same? No, I think, you know, salary will always be important because at the end of the day, like we are doing a job to get paid, right? Sure. It's just like a cycle of, of living, I guess. And that's what everyone aspires to. And, you know, but I do think like the, the offer that as a business you have outside of the salary, yeah, benefits are super important. And I would be very surprised if people who are going for jobs don't ask specific questions or... I also feel like there is more understanding now and people want to know how much they're worth, that it's not just a basic salary, but, you know, do you have any incentives? 
if you're in retail, what's your commission scheme? You know, the medical, the life insurance is one side, but also it's, it's what else? You know, learning and development. What's my career progression? Are you going to support me in, in the journey? As a company, you know, if you wanted to move sideways, like, would that be possible? Or is it, you know, is it a bad thing to ask? I feel like it also depends at what stage in your life you are when you are going for a job, because, you know, for some people it might be important okay so in two years time I'm gonna start thinking about having a family so what family policies do you have in place which I think is still you know people still feel like they can't ask this because sure. the employer thinks oh you know are you going to have a baby and then what do we do in two years time which I don't think it should be you know a taboo subject as such but yeah I think benefits and salary definitely 50 50 and it's And this is where it goes back to like responsible reward. I'm not saying that as an employer, we have to be responsible for persons like full career and, you know, what goes in their life, how how they manage their money and etc. But you you do have some impact on how their like work life will be. As you say, having access to, you know, mental health support if you're struggling, you know, within your benefits package, that can have a huge impact on someone's life and the way they not just you know how they run their own lives, but their impacts on their own families as well. And that, you know, that kind of that, that domino effect. So I think that's something that's potentially quite mm. simple in, in theory, but actually can have a really profound effect going forward. I think you you touched upon something really interesting that I see, which is you mentioned L and D. And I think L and D has really come a lot closer to the world of payroll now because if people don't feel invested in, it's one of the biggest reasons they decide to change career or change employer. And actually, it's something that's often overlooked. People aren't just looking for their own salary, as you say. They're looking for a company that's going to invest in them and give them the training and the development and all the things they need to helpfully grow in their career, whatever, whatever that direction is they want to take. So I think that's a really interesting point that you picked up on. For your own um, career then, Domi, what are some of the challenges that, that you faced? Because you've got a you know, fantastic career. That, look, from my side, looking out, you know, outward looking in, it looks like it's really progressive, you know, quite quite direct, quite quite linear and, and, and straightforward. So you must be, you must have come across some challenges that you've had to overcome. What have they been? I think, you know, my first challenge is people are always asking me, why have I moved so often from company to company? You know, I remember one manager had my interview for my first payroll job and I kind of stayed with companies for about a year, year and a half, sometimes even less than a year. And people always ask, why do you move so much? But it's, Personally, for me, the challenge has been that I don't like to sit bored and I like a challenge and I like to, you know, get my hands dirty and I don't like to just follow the process, do a job nine to five. But again, it could be like a generation difference. I really want to feel challenged and not sit back and not just watch the world go by, I guess. Yeah. Um, so that has definitely been one. Again, if I feel like I'm in a company where after six or nine months and some people might think oh my god it's so early to even like a question what next but I think that's why I am where I am and because I haven't like stopped looking for like the next thing and you know like if I feel that the company is not investing like not interested in my progression uh, and there's nothing more that they can give me and I'm kind of pushing for it then that's why I kind of moved on I think another challenge would be that in payroll especially people want you to be kind of trained I don't know whether that's CIPP or if you're, you know, doing any other courses, was I focus on more like snappy things. So I I did do CIPP, but when I went into kind of global payroll and and then rewards, you know, what else can you do? And how it's always putting like a little business case for myself and for the business. How is this going to impact me? But how is it going to make it better for, for the business? And, you know, I feel like sometimes leaders don't really see the benefits and they think oh you know sexy just wants to do 
this because I don't know, it's good for her CV, but it's not necessarily that. She had, they just sometimes don't see a full picture, which... Yeah, I mean, we see it from a slightly yeah, different view, different right, different. as recruiters. We see people from every walk of life, you know, different kind of career trajectories. I mean, the reality is it's actually a much riskier decision to do the path you've done because the biggest reason people don't change jobs is because they're fearful of the stability that they're, they're, they're losing by changing. But you actually have kind of gone headstrong into, no, I'll, I'll take the risk. Stop it's on it. my shoulders. I'll make it work. You know, I'm happy to move again for the next challenge to go on. And the reality is when you're making a, a recruitment investment in somebody like yourself, most of that value is actually gained in the first two years anyway. That's when you're going to make this most, the most impact where you're most proactive and you want to make change and you're, they're going to get the most value out of you in that first two years as well. So actually the company really wins and you win because you get all that additional experience. I'll try and find the article and put it in the show notes if I can. I think it was the Telegraph that did an article quite recently. And they did a study and they said for people, and the, the time period was two years. Now, actually in the payroll professional, because we, we monitor this stuff, the average tenure per employee is about 2.9 years until they change jobs. That's average across the industry. But if you would move jobs every two years, and this is across all industries, the Telegraph worked out that over a 10-year period, that individual that stayed in the same company for 10 years versus the individual that changed every two years over a 10-year period, the person that changed every two years was nine times more likely to be in a more senior role with a higher salary than the individual that stayed with the same employer for 10 years. Um, however, the person 10 years probably hasn't taken any risk and they're stable and they've got the routine, but actually they're not as far ahead in their career as they could be. And I think you kind of you embody that in what you've got. You've got all these hybrid skills. You've been in global. You've now got reward. You've worked in it. And we're going to touch upon some of that in a minute. But at the same time, it's it's not an easy decision, right? Sometimes it must be hard for you to go, God, I could stay here. It's stable. I know what I'm doing. I could get away at 5.30 and go to the gym, whatever it is I want to do. But actually, I'm going to throw myself back into it all over again. That must take quite a lot of mental energy as well to keep doing that. Have you found that yourself or not? <laughs> do you know what? I... I do think that businesses need different kinds of people. You know, there are, like in every business, there's probably about 15, 16 different personality types. And, you know, each of those personality types probably influences the business in a different way. I love welcoming new people to the business because there's like fresh energy, fresh ideas. And it's so interesting, like where people come from. I like, I love interviewing. People always, people always laugh when I say this, but I actually love interviewing. Um, and I don't know whether that's something because I can like talk about my career or like challenge. Yeah, I'm one of those people that also like challenge the interviewee. But I like to find out, you know, like, okay, this job description sounds great, but what else is there? You know, like what's the biggest challenge? And those things would sell the job to me. I also sometimes sit back and think, you know what? I don't, I don't have to go for this job. I'm so comfortable. I know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. It's so nice. No one's checking on me. Why, you know, why would you move? But then whatever I do enough, I kind of think, well, no, like I can, you know, I can relax when I'm older. Fine, I can retire when I'm like 55, maybe, hopefully. <laughs> and then I'll relax. But now it's just, I don't know. I, You know, we spend so many hours in a week doing our job. And if those hours would be just boring and just, you know, doing the same thing. And, you know, payroll is quite repetitive like month on month you are doing the same processes so if I don't have the other like projects or other things to look after I'll just yeah I get HP and oh, I've got to ask the question you've been Stella McCartney now over three years it's you know you're loving it there, I know. Right? so so how's has this changed your mindset now and what are, what are the challenges you're currently facing what are the things you're currently involved in I think also with Stella I've been able to progress in the company and I think that's what's kept me going and you know it's it's probably one of the first companies where I actually feel like people want me to do the next thing and are open for ideas. And, you know, it may be because it's a smaller headcount, 
but you can see also from my from my career and um, throughout my career at Stella that it is kind of like changing. I started with just paying reward for me, and then yeah. I moved over to Global, and now I moved over to um, Total Reward, and you know who knows what's next, but. Yeah, it's kept me interested. <laughs> no, that's cool. It makes sense. I mean, I think something that you really show, uh, Domi, is you've been able to adapt to, you know, ever-changing environments in the world of payroll. You've had to be agile. You've obviously developed your skills as you've changed your positions. And I think they're all the things that we need to be able to do if we want to achieve more in what is the new world of work, right? There's, there's higher expectations for us now as employees and people looking for new positions, particularly in the world of payroll. I think the need to upskill and reskill through continuous learning, and you touched upon L&D a moment ago, it's kind of a must-have principle now for future workforces because workforces and, and employers are demanding it on us. So with that in mind for you, where do you think the skill gaps are in the typical pearl professionals toolkit at the moment? Or maybe even to rephrase the question, what training do you think pearl professionals should be considering right now in order for them to be able to adapt to the new world of work? So I think, you know, having like the knowledge of just, you know, legislation and how to process, obviously that's super important because sure. pay accuracy, exact, you are responsible for people's pay. But I think there are so many little things that could help you with your career, whether that means you want to take on like a new project and help someone change like the finance system, or it's not necessarily that you have to have the skills, but to put yourself out there and try yeah at least get involved in different fields. And, you know, as payroll, we work with so many different stakeholders and whether that's, you know, HR or LMD or, I don't know, HRIS or finance, et cetera. There are so many things that are constantly changing for those stakeholders. So I think putting yourself out there and if something comes up, just saying, can I be involved? Because I think not only it will help you develop your like career, but also soft skills or just getting to know other people, understanding what impacts you have on different teams. You know, a few managers have said to me before, you can't take any more on. Stop stop volunteering for projects. And whether that's something completely different from payroll, like a social, I don't know, social event in a company or, you know, like changing the system or a focus group for something completely different. It's just like getting to know people around the business. What else could you dip your Turn to, yeah. I mean, and... Makes total sense to me. I mean, look, I work in recruitment, right? So I could go and do more recruitment qualifications. I've got my, like, you've, you've done the CIPP, I've done the equivalent in the world of recruitment, right? But actually, the things I find in my career, obviously, I'm not a payroll professional, but I think some of these will be, um, you know, workable in both industries. The things that I'm studying now and to help me get afforded, things I'm doing, and I'm about to enroll in the ILM level five in professional coaching. Because to be able to coach, I think, is really important what we do, not just for my own employees, yep. but for being positive for the people that I work with. Uh, last year, mm-hmm. or a couple of years ago, I did a master's in professional consulting, which, again, isn't quite relevant to recruitment, but it's understanding how you know hierarchies work in business and all the different matrix structures and things like that. But I think the same could be true in the world of payroll. Right? I don't, you know, people are always so quick to go. And they're great courses, taking nothing away. You've done the CIPP, you know, probably the, one of the best payroll professional courses out there. But actually, does that mean that payroll professionals sometimes overlook other areas which could be just as valuable in different ways. So payroll professionals are, are rarely doing courses, for example, or qualifications in leadership, or you mentioned project management. Well, there's loads of project management qualifications in Lean or Prince2, or, you know, there, there are qualifications for everything. Maybe it is coaching. But do you think they're the kind of courses or qualifications? And you don't have to do a course, of course, as you say, you can go and work with a, a partner with your HR business partner or whatever it is. But do you think payroll professionals could do more of that? So looking, as you say, outside the box to go, OK, I want to get to X. Maybe I don't have the leadership skills that I need. I'm going to do a course in that rather than legislation. I, I don't know, but I just wonder. I don't think I see enough of that personally in the world of payroll that I'm looking mm-hmm, at. Mm-hmm. 
I totally agree. So I think there are so many things. But even when you look at when I was in my previous company, we had a huge global payroll project when we obviously had seven different providers and it was, you know, bringing one global payroll provider on board. And even with that, it makes me think about like the negotiation and those type of skills that you also need. And yes, project management. And I feel like in any field and not just payroll, people become managers because they're good at the job. But then again, like you said, like the leadership, how do you manage people doing something around that? And also payroll is always at the end, but it's impacted by so many things. So to, to almost like think back and, you know, we always get annoyed like, oh, you know, HR didn't do certain thing in their process and now it's affecting us. But to also like think back and to have more knowledge about why is that or, you know, why are they working in a certain way. So there are so many things I feel like negotiations could be one, like leadership, coaching, um, management, but also like understanding personalities. I, I totally agree. So I guess other things then you've mentioned some of it and learning with this, I say it doesn't have to be courses. What are the kind of things that you're doing day to day in your role at Stella McCartney then that's helping you to incorporate some of this additional sort of learning, if you like, or proactive learning, which you're kind of introducing into part of your regular workflow. Maybe that's working with or collaborating with HR or L&D, but what are you doing on a day-to-day basis that helps you keep that that knowledge up to date and, and, and keeping it evolving? I would say like networking is one and finding out what people do in different companies and different industries. Um, I, yeah, I totally understand that some people just hate the idea of networking. I think also for our company, it's super important that every single department is focused on sustainability. And you, know, you yeah. may think like it's super hard for a payroll department to think, what has that got to do with payroll, like sustainability, you know? Um, but you could think about pension. Like there are pension providers changing now. And so I, I also try and like educate myself on, okay, so what could we do? So people think, okay, sustainability, we have to recycle, but it's not, it's not just that. So for me, that was kind of exploring, okay, so with pensions, what can we do? What can we, um, how can we educate people? How can we get more people engaged? I read a lot different like payroll magazines or award magazines or different articles. There are so many things out there. I don't want to name certain companies that do do great things. But, you know, like reaching out to people and going to different events where you have a ton of providers there and asking questions and finding out, you know, is, is this suitable for our business? So I feel like I do a lot of that. I try and talk to people from the stakeholders that I don't necessarily work with, um, whether that's communications or we have a big design team and finding out what's relevant I feel like the time just moves so fast that being able to understand what people need from us and then that kind of like pushes me so I'm aligned with what people want and you know it helps me learn and provide I guess for the people in the business that way it um, makes yeah. sense they say the only constant we have in life is change right so you know it's important that we stay, stay ahead of that and if, you, if you're picking up on one percent you know it could be the one percent is the marginal gains but if you're sort of talking about look through cliches but you know, if you pick it over, pick a 1% gain now, 1% improvement in sustainability, for example, it doesn't take long until 100 of those things have come in and suddenly you're 100% better off. Only a few years ago, really, we mm. were still in full paper-based offices and now nearly everyone's paperless. And that's kind of happened without anyone knowing, but it's those marginal changes, marginal gains, staying on top of trends and industries mm-hmm. and improvements and technology and all those things that have enabled payroll departments to achieve that. So no, it absolutely makes sense. I think sustainability is, is a very high up on agendas for HR professionals as well. So again, that links payroll to HR quite nicely. Have you ever asked yourself, how can I recruit payroll staff effectively? Please don't give up on your recruitment project just yet. 
Here at JGA Payroll Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top payroll talent. We also understand just how costly a poor payroll hire can be. JGA Recruitment are a niche payroll recruitment agency who will partner with you to resource payroll candidates who will improve both the accuracy and efficiency of your payroll department. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. Something I was keen to find out from yourself, Domi, is there's a well-known, and I don't know if it's still up to date, and I'm going to ask you this question, but they say that leadership is 10% strategy, 90% operational delivery. And we know in the world of payroll, we're trying to improve the strategic elements of the payroll professional in the sense that as we are able to automate some of the manual tasks, there's more time for payroll professionals to be more strategic in their thinking. And we know it's the focus on the details in payroll that make the difference, right? And in, in payroll in particular, you'd argue that if you don't have that focus, that could make or break your, your payroll delivery process. So do you think in the new world of work that 10% strategy, 90% operational delivery is still an accurate and fair reflection of the payroll manager? Or do you think that's now shifted post-pandemic? I think it's definitely shifted a little bit. I wouldn't say it's like a huge, huge change yet, but it's, okay. definitely, it's definitely going that way. I think, you know, with the fact that after the pandemic, people also have more understanding of, you know, what, what payroll does and that yeah. it's literally not just, you know, it will always be hands-on. I think, you know, but there are a ton of processes that you could streamline, but there are so many, you know, different technologies and systems out there. And I totally understand, you know, there was a cost to the business, but equally, I think this is where we go wrong, that we hire, let's say, 10 payroll administrators in the business, everyone's doing the same thing, but we're not really looking at, okay, this is this is how people are not growing, right? Because they are doing the same job every single day and we're not looking at process internally enough to kind of think, okay, this person's actually really good at, I don't know, building macros in Excel, but they have to process payroll every single month and they don't really have time to look into anything else and have to up their skills on yeah. whatever it, it could be. And so I think like we're not we're not analysing how we do work enough yet. And it's hard to get there because, you know, as payroll professionals, we think, yeah, but we've paid everyone, you know, 100% this month. So there was nothing to change. It's going change. well. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. It's little things with the processes as well. And I, I've recently had a conversation, you know, who is responsible for what? How do you push back? We don't have like a new starters address in the system, which for payroll, we find out at the end when we have to submit RTI and then it fails. And, you know, who's responsible for that and why is it happening? So we don't look, I feel like when I started, there was a lot of, talk in payroll like oh payroll post-mortem what went wrong this month but people just speak about it and then no one really like wants to tackle the change so I think that is the first thing to, to think about think about internal processes who affects could people be doing different things more interesting and I think that also was part of my career when I see the business it's just hasn't got any appetite for changing or you know, going paperless or um, even like looking at the processes when they're just like, no, this is the way we do it and you need to carry on this way. And that's probably like another thing where, you know, I just got really disengaged and moved on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, sense, I get the sense you're not too scared of owning a problem, uh, which is important, right? And we need to be able to do that in the world of payroll. If we look at your LinkedIn profile, one of the first things you say in your profile is, you know, I'm I make data-driven decisions that you're involved in analytics and things like that. So 
in the world of payroll now, Domi, how are you using data to, to deliver a more responsible reward op, you know, offering to your employees? But actually, how are you using data now more intelligently than perhaps you would have used it even three years ago pre-pandemic? How has that shifted and, and how are you using data intelligently? I've done a, a couple of talks recently and I spoke a lot about data because I feel like every business has some sort of data. And, you know, regardless of how you collate that and how much you have in the HRIS system or elsewhere on paper, I don't know, people files, etc. We don't take enough action from actually owning the data. So to me, it's super important because it shows me, you know, what happens in the business. It, like it tells you a story and you can see kind of not only that you can see parts of the business that behave differently and parts of the business that, I don't know, engage with different things, especially for rewards. So I use data for rewards to see kind of what happens throughout the year, at what point in the year people engage more and why and what do they engage in. And, you know, does that mean that during the summer people go on holiday and there is no point of us pushing out new ideas because, you know, it's, it's a waste of time for both parties. But equally, I think for me, it's also important to use data to influence our leadership team because those people don't have time to kind of sit down with me for like a yeah. three-hour presentation and talk and brainstorm whatever so when you have something to show like okay this is what people want what are we going to do about it so we also recently started looking at what people have asked for what people have complained or said it's not working and then what can we do about it so we're now reporting also you said we did for employees it's, it's super important to see a change or it's okay, actually something's been done. And then for us, it also gives us like a sense of accomplishment, I guess, as a business. That yeah. it was, it, it's a very little thing, but it was causing people to talk negatively about something. So let's change it. But I think this is some of the hidden value things. You talked about earlier about, you know, sometimes we delivered 100% accurate payroll, job done. But actually, these are the hidden value elements that you don't see necessarily reported in your payroll figures but if you're able to discover a benefit that's getting huge uptake that involves keeping you know improving retention of your employee workforce well that's actually saving the company in recruitment costs that's saving them in, in having to reskill and retrain and losing staff which keeps morale up and all those things and yet all you're doing really from your from your side is introduced a benefit and you it's been taken up and it's but actually the impact of that the ramifications of that can be significant now I'm, i might be wrong here because i don't i don't do what you do Domi, but i'm just something sprung to mind presumably when you use the holiday analogy and you know, maybe it's the wrong time to push something for a holiday but if you've got access to those kind of analytics from a responsible reward point of view presumably you may be able to see uptake of things like when employees are utilizing mental health based benefits more than other times and let's say october is a sudden spike in everyone going to mental health apps that's an opportunity then from a responsible reward point of view to you to highlight that to stakeholders and go, look, we don't know who these people are, but we know there's an 80% increase in this uptake or this utilization of this benefit we're offering. Maybe we need to do something for well-being. Maybe we need to have you know a, a positive morale type thing going on or, or identify it. But presumably you can see some of those data-driven shifts in your workforce to allow you to respond. And that's where the value, I think, can be massive because you know it affects it talent and attraction for sure but actually makes everyone happier in their day-to-day work quite fine are you able to see some of that data to be able to make some of those data-driven decisions from a responsible reward point of view yeah so i think all of the mental health data and medical data um you know that we receive is still confidential um but we do see so with eap as an example there is data that you kind of receive as a business which we receive um quarterly yearly whatever so it's nice that you have this benefit, but then kind of, you know, do you actually monitor what people have been calling EAP for? Is it like a repetitive 
is it one department is it at a certain point in the year so we we do look at that data and it's much easier said than done and you know you then have to think about okay how do we sensitively approach our people and say okay well we've got this data and it means that you guys may not be happy about x y and z but i think with mental health a lot what i have seen is how much impact it has on like well-being but particular financial well-being so our demographic is quite young and I think um, you know we have an average of I think 35 or 36 which is relatively young population so to see how what can we do so mental health and people are struggling in terms of finances and this is one of the things that they have mentioned either through like a, a survey or what I can see what they've been calling EAP for the yeah. meaning like it's financial support of trying to find out about debt etc so as a company okay so we need to understand what finances and the effect it has on like our people and their mental well-being so if you think about okay we could be offering I don't know life assurance and pension because we're thinking ahead of people's safety and supporting them but what about people who are struggling like day to day, which I feel like has a much bigger impact on like overall well-being and productivity within the company. So what can we do about it? And, you know, there are so many different things now. There's just financial being education. So we could, I don't know, give people um, accessibility to webinars about how to save, how to budget, how to get on the property ladder, how to, I don't know, look after your first parenting experience, etc. Or is it more about that people can't manage their money and then there is a lot of talk I feel like at the moment about the kind of getting paid at whatever point in the year in, in the month you know with the wallets and different kind of things that are yeah. um, available but this for me goes back to are we responsible if we offer this to people are we just telling them okay so clearly you can't manage your finances throughout the month That's, so we yeah. are going to offer you this I don't know to me it's that is very touchy subject because maybe that's coming from me like just my personal opinion but yeah I guess like financial well-being is something that I I see and it has been mentioned by people and you do see it from like the different providers and uh, reports that I receive and throughout the throughout the year it's interesting though because I I don't think we'd be having this conversation four years ago about some of the things you're talking about being within a payroll professional's remit. And it's amazing, I think, in a really positive evolution of the payroll professional that we're now talking about some of these things being involved in your day-to-day remit. And I think, you know, we've seen payroll become more holistic. It's clear that individuals such as yourself, Domi, have been able to acquire skills that are bridging, you know, the interrelated complexity gaps between positions like reward and payroll you know from a recruitment perspective it's individuals like yourself that are really in demand because organizations they, they want to plan to drive efficiency improvements with, with integrated workforces and with, with you know hybrid skill sets so while you've accumulated all of these skills let's talk a little bit about how payroll professionals can go about developing their hybrid skills so payroll is now joined to reward wellness compensation benefits hr analytics l d which you talked about as well for a professional listening to this right now, if you were to give some advice to how they could go about bridging some of those gaps and those skills and knowledge gaps in their careers, what would you say? So I think firstly, it's, to me, it's like really important to understand just how it works in your organisations and what you have in place and how you can utilise the different departments and stakeholders and get connected to those. It can be quite tricky sometimes because, again, if you have, a huge shared services and everyone has a very specific job and no one kind of really wants to listen to okay you know new ideas or 
what you could change. It is tough, but I guess if you don't talk about it or if you don't say, if you don't ask, you don't get. So, yeah. and also people may think that you're, as a payroll professional, you're happy where you are because your KPI is at 100% and, and you come in to work every day and you, you know, there is no issues from what you do. But if you don't say that something should change or if you don't challenge your peers or your managers or your team, then nothing will change. We'll just plod along. You've got to be able to, you've got to want to make the change as well, right? You've got to go and speak to your, your HR and finance counterparts, your data counterparts yeah. and say, you know, what can I learn and, and, and take that upon yourself, uh, which, which, which clearly you've done in your career, right? Moving forward then, what would you predict the future of payroll looks like five years from now? We've seen it advance significantly in the last five years. We're now talking about holistic reward practices, responsible reward practices, which I would not have been in this conversation five years ago. What are the things that are going to be uh, dominating our conversations, do you think, in the next five years? So for payroll specifically, it will still be about raising the importance, not only processing payroll, but what comes into it and how, how we should be, you know, for our business, sustainability would probably be at the top and payroll was kind of like, oh, you know, it's just like a support team. So I think that will definitely change. And I guess we have a pandemic to like thank for that because it has raised the importance. I think what will also change is how we streamline some processes and how it allows us to do that with the systems that are currently available for, for payroll, but not necessarily just payroll, but you know, systems that can do all sorts of things. You don't have like a payroll system that then doesn't talk to your benefit system, that doesn't talk to your HR system, and then you may have something else to finance. I don't know. So I think that will definitely change because technology is always changing. And I think it's amazing because in payroll, we waste so much time doing, I don't know, silly things like timesheets. To me, it's absolutely bonkers that people are still (laughs) doing that, which again, I think is because it works and people are scared to change. I hope that it becomes like a cool career, but it's not. I, I still feel like when I put a role out there, it doesn't get as much attraction as HR administrator would. And sure. it makes me sad because I'm like, this is, this is cool. You just don't realize what you could be doing. You didn't just deal with people. You can actually have a lot more interesting challenges when you, when you do payroll. And it's not just starting in payroll, but I feel like once you know how payroll works, you can move into so many different departments, like internally but also to different companies and working with finance and yeah so I hope that changes and I hope that you know people do think it's it's cool and worth it and engaging and great <laughs> yeah that's cool I mean look I mean you're a great example Domi right people that fell into it in your instance actually you stayed in it and you, you tend to love it so we just need to make payroll cool and make people realize it can be a cool professional to be in you know people that I've interviewed in this show now for the last two or three years have they all have such passion for it. So there's an industry there for people to really enjoy. We just got to open their eyes to it. And, and, you know, hopefully that's starting to happen with the pandemic. If there is a positive from the pandemic, it's raising that. Oh, you've done it, right? No. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, you've done it with the payroll podcast. I would never listen to a payroll podcast if someone asked me five years ago, you know, but I do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I'll take that. And uh, hopefully as a community, we can uh, continue to raise the profile. So my last question, Domi, before we open the vault <laughs> is this, you know, you've got to head of reward now. You've worked, had a great career trajectory. What's the next thing you want to learn? What's the, what's the, the next part of your, not necessarily, it doesn't have to be a career move, but what's the skill you haven't quite acquired yet? You go, right, that's on my, that's on my list. I want, I want to get better at that. I think still uh, tackling the global picture and understanding you know, how 
payroll and reward is very different in, in so many different cultures and what their cultural and social aspects is in other countries. So um, I feel payroll and reward in general is so developed in the UK and it's becoming more and more popular in, in Europe. But in countries across APAC, it's still not a thing. So I think for me, it would be to tackle this and to get really into understanding what does responsibility mean for them it's it's very different but yeah just just carrying on with learning and new challenges and yeah not sitting back being bored (laughs) and (laughs) hopefully influencing others as well and just making sure that my job's relevant (laughs) sure perfect so we're going to open the vault entering the vault three short sharp questions for you which we still do and i'm excited to ask so this the first one is this one piece of advice you'd give to someone working in payroll right now don't get stressed we're not surgeons perfect if you had the power of foresight and you could change the entire payroll industry with one action or improvement what would that action or improvement be i think making sure that you use all the available data because it can tell you so many things about the business data yeah, data. Data, for sure and last but not least <laughs> if payroll were a song or a movie what song or movie would it be and why oh wow this is hard <laughs> i would say the greatest showman <laughs> oh nice i like that it's good it's good so why the greatest showman Go, let's explain the answer <laughs> tell us your thinking because i feel like the film tells you a good story that not necessarily people understand when you just yeah, and it's like celebrations of, I think there's like a lot of diversity and inclusion and how that, you know, brings people together and that payroll is really at the core. And, you know, if we don't pay people, people won't want to work. So, yeah. And it's cool. Showman. Making payroll cool, right? That's what we're doing. Greatest Showman is a cool movie. <laughs> payroll is cool. We'll leave it there, I think. That's yeah, a perfect cool. place to finish. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, thank you ever so much for joining me today on the Pearl Podcast, Domi. Of course, if you want to find out and connect more about Domi or connect with her, I will put her LinkedIn profile in the show notes. So please do uh, send out your LinkedIn uh, friendship request to Domi if you can. And of course, if you are a payroll leader listening to this podcast and need support with a payroll vacancy, please do get in touch with either myself or any of my wonderful team at JGA Recruitment. You can find us at jgarecruitment.com. Uh, it just leaves me to say another huge thank you to Domi for joining me today to talk all about reward and responsible reward, the world of payroll, career progression, and how it's blurring the boundaries between HR, finance, analytics, L&D, and more. Uh, I think that's the way the payroll uh, industry is moving. So great to have someone who's actually taken that journey tell us all about how you can get there as well. So huge thank you, Domi, for joining me today. I look forward to bringing you the next episode of the Payroll Podcast real soon. Thanks, Domi. Thank you so much for tuning into the Payroll Podcast with Nick Day of JGA Recruitment. If you need help with a current payroll vacancy, then please get in touch with Nick and his team. All contact details can be found in the episode notes. In the meantime, to make sure you never miss a future episode, please subscribe to the show through any of your favorite podcast channels. Till next time.